So the construct is very simple. Your personality creates your personal reality. Your personality is made up of how you think, act, and feel. Your brain has 90% of the same thoughts as yesterday. How do you go about unwiring, unthinking, and rewiring and rethinking so that your personality changes, your personal reality changes, and you take full responsibility for how you show up? This is a job. It is a constant job of reiterating and recalibrating, catching yourself, stopping yourself, and rethinking things. And some people might think it's exhausting. And guess what? It is. But you know what's even more exhausting? Is being addicted to a life you don't even like. Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress comes from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. But number one, first up on the podcast today is... Happy birthday to <laughs> you. Okay, stop there, stop there. We, uh, we very smart, yeah. <laughs> we have a birthday on the podcast today. Mr. John yes, Sada has completed another revolution around the sun. And yes, John, brother, yes. from myself, from all of our listeners, I wanted to say happy birthday. And thank you. thank you for always sharing so generously and showing up so authentically on the pod. It has been great to have done this with you. It's been great to have shared this journey with you and with all the thousands of listeners that have tuned into the pod. May the next year be expansive for you in every single way possible, most expansive that it's ever been. Thank you so much, Eric. It's a huge uh, pleasure to be doing this with you and to be sharing my birthday with you here from Denver. It's always just, you know, it's so much fun. It feels like I'm going to a party every time we start making a pod. So... Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, 48 years old, uh, feeling better than ever before, feeling stronger, calmer. Um, my heart is in a good place. My head is in a clear place and uh, I'm living Amazing. my dream. You know, I was in New Mexico. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate I was in Mexico and uh, at the Dr. Joe and um, I was on the beach doing a walking meditation and uh, I opened my eyes and I just realized and I was telling my friend, Sean, yes, Valerie, I'm mentioning Sean's name, Valerie, Sean's mom. And she's like, I get so excited when you say Sean's <laughs> name. Uh, so, hi, Valerie. Hi, Sean. Um, I was telling Sean, it's like, what a dream, man. What, a, what an incredible dream to be traveling and doing what you've always wanted to do. And I just feel so privileged and so grateful, you know. So, thank you, Eric. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to The Expansive. Thank you to Sean, our producer, who's just so fantastic. He made such a great post on Instagram today. Uh, superimposed the cake onto our pictures. <laughs> Sean, you're, you're a machine, yeah, yeah. man. We love you so much, Sean. <laughs> you're so great. You add so much value to our pod. So yes, thank you so much. Great to be here. And uh, it's actually nine o'clock in the morning in Denver. I have a day that I've taken off to just go walk around and tour the city um, and then uh, get into some work tomorrow. So how's it going there in Cape Town? Yeah, amazing. We are, uh, it's been nonstop raining. So another day of rain. Uh, we are in the process of potentially adopting a new pup it's a yeah it's kind of it's kind of yeah and it's a it's a little girl so because oh. we, we need to balance out all the testosterone yes. dan is fighting yes. an uphill yeah. battle yeah. so yeah <laughs> so we saw a little uh, pup this morning and i walk but it's funny i walk into the room so dan sends me the uh uh like the the post that this pup has been uh they adopted her but like they're not quite sure that they have what it takes because it's, it's a melanoma pup as well. So they need lots of attention and energy. And she sends me, so she's been sending me a few though, but she sends me this one. I walk into the room next door and I just get this look. 
And I was like, okay, well, just from the dog. Just no, from uh, from from Danny. From Dan. Yeah. Okay. So I was okay. just like, okay, just apply. Just like, just do it. I I could see like I could see the and it was like yes. I, I got the look and then she showed me her phone and it was like already done. So yes, yes, yes. You know what can I say? Um, oh, I'm so, so excited for you. Do you have a name for her? Sky. And okay. Can I, can I tell you the funny thing is when Dan. A few weeks ago, she said, we need to get a pup and we need to name a Sky. What? Yeah. No way. Two dogs called Sky. What are the chances of that? But so, it goes with, I think it goes well with the family, you know, with Axel, Sky. I think it's a beautiful combination. I don't know. We were going to get the, the next pup before it's going to be male. I wanted to call him Zeus. Yeah, but enough Sorry. guys. Yeah, you need some, yeah. you need some female energy. Yeah, there. I know. Yeah. But but I need to go and dig through like Marvel oh, and DC comics right, and mythology right, to find right. out. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Like the kind of name that works. Anyway, listen. So onto onto the pod for today. Uh, we you've just come back from Joe Dispenza. It's your tenth one that you've done. You said so. That's been a lot of of Joe Dispenza. And a bit of a recap, which is great because. You, you recap a bit of the ideas that, that Joe Dispenza talks about, but also your experience of it. And it's always a very popular episode because I think the content is just so good. Yes. Before we get into, you know, what your takeaways were from this experience this time, the first question I have for you is 10 times, right? And I know that when you go, that it's the same things that he says over and over and over. You're not going to different once it's the same workshop or it's the same retreat, are you not bored 10 times in? And I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but I'm just, uh, I just want to put it out there. Yes, I, I think it's a great question. Um, just to let you know, there's people that have been 25 times, so I'm really not, <laughs> I'm not up there with the numbers. I mean, uh, <laughs> I've met people who have done many more than me. Um, you got, you know, I've had this discussion with my friends and even people there at the event, when I told them it's my 10th, they said the same thing. But you know what you've got to realize is that you arrive as somebody new every time. And in your new awareness and your new uh, perspective of your life, you hear totally different things. Mm. And Eckhart Tolle once said in an interview, I think with Oprah, he said, I read the Bible before I woke up and I read a Bible after I woke up and it was a totally different book. It was a totally different book. And so I think there are certain aspects of the event that I kind of my, I don't, I wouldn't say bored, but I know, I know deeply because I can, I can finish his sentences because of the NCS training I've done. I, I literally can finish his sentences. Yeah. So, and the meditation. And the meditation. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can you do know all what's of coming it. next. I know, yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the unbelievable thing is that our brains and our bodies love familiarity so much that we keep going back to the familiar and what again, I guess something I've heard again, I've heard before, but I heard again him say is when you have memories that you start to exaggerate in your own head to quantify and qualify your negativity about yourself and the world, you start to realize that you're angry and upset about a memory that didn't actually even happen because of the familiarity that your brain craves to keep punishing yourself, keep feeling like you're not good enough. And that story is a global human story. And so you are fighting against a current, a current of familiarity, of 
uh, of insecurity. And this is really my journey has been is that unearthing that insecurity is such a process and such a deep sort of journey that you have to go through that I have already booked my 11th and 12th. I am not taking my foot off the pedal in any way whatsoever. In fact, I might be putting my foot down even harder. And so I think that uh, 10 is a good number, but no, when you're finished and um, I'll be going to many more. I think what often happens is that we, there's so much good content in the world. There are so many good ideas, but we don't spend enough time with those ideas. And so what you're doing is you're just going through the repetition of imprinting those ideas into your, into the core, you know, like deep, deep into your, into your thinking. And unfortunately for most of us, we come across good ideas, maybe in the form of like a good book or a good teacher. And then we dip our toe in and then we just move on to the next because we feel like quantity of ideas is more important than quality of ideas. But actually, um, I think if you, for example, had to take the top 10 best leadership books and you spend most of your time just going into those in depth, into the principles that have stood the test of time that have been proven, and you imprint those so deeply onto yourself, you'll show up much better as a leader, for example, and I'm just using this, books that year. Like, it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And I think that's what you. Yeah, I agree. Because he also said, he said, if you can't repeat this information, it has not sunk in. Yeah. And that comes down to the old saying, you know, if you want to master something, teach it. The repetition of this is exactly what your, your neurons in your brain require. They require an unlearning and a relearning. And it's only through a process of repetition. And I've learned brand new things, Eric. You know, like you said, he does say the same thing, but I heard totally new things. I learned new things. I liberated old patterns that I didn't even know were there. And I am 70 ayahuascas in, 10 Joe Dispensers in, 40 family constellations in. And I'm like, (laughs) where has this personality been? Where's this this insecure little boy been sitting, (laughs) hiding from my psyche? for 48 years and I've just unearthed him. And I'm like, guy, who are you and what are you doing here in my head? And it's so deeply entrenched, we don't even know it's happening. So happy to unpack some of the new learnings, but uh, let me know if you have any questions. Maybe a good starting point is just a a very brief synopsis or summary of what is Dr. Joe Dispenza all about? What is his main message? So Dr. Joe Dispenza is a chiropractor that uh, was uh, in a cycling accident that broke his back. And he was in a wheelchair uh, and apparently in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And he, for six weeks, he meditated on his back and healed himself. And now he is not in a wheelchair anymore. And he started to put this, this research together 30, 40 years ago, and now has brought in universities and scientists and they're all doing these tests. And I'll tell you about some of the tests that they showed us this time around um, with some of the world's best scientists are now jumping in who are totally confused at the results, like super confused and don't understand how it's actually happening. But Dr. Joe Dispenza's work is based on a very simple premise. The premise is that your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. And taking responsibility for your personality becomes the major work. But we don't realize how entrenched our personality is into our psyche and into our subconscious pattern. And our body becomes our mind because our body now becomes our brain, starting to make decisions on our behalf. So if we break down what your personality is, your personality is how you think, how you act, and how you feel. 
And science is proving that we have between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day, of which 90% of the same thoughts as yesterday, which means that our personality, our awareness, and our perspective hardly ever change, but we constantly want change, but we don't want to change who we are. We're hoping that the world changes without us changing. But we've never been taught how to unlearn and how to relearn. We've never been taught about the constructs of our awareness and how to actually go about changing it. Now, for the last hundred years, we've relied on psychology. We've relied on Carl Jung and we've relied on Freud and we've relied on the Brenner Browns and all the psychological gurus that really did help in many ways. But in today's world, at the pace at which it's moving, Psychology doesn't really work anymore because the world's more anxious than ever before and everybody's read and seen everything. That's why Simon Sinek has 50 million views. We've all watched it multiple times, but we're still anxious. And it shows us that the patterning of our brain and our bodies becoming so powerful and making decisions on our behalf overtakes any psychological processing that we do. And so what we have to stop thinking about is software upgrades and hardware in, and replace them with hardware upgrades. <clears throat> and what is a hardware upgrade? A hardware upgrade is understanding how your neuroscience works and actually rewiring your brain to hold more capacity to think about things in brand new ways. Now, what starts to happen, and we must realize, is that most of the world is addicted to lives they don't even like. And if you're addicted to a life you don't even like, you don't even know how to get out of the loop, is because nobody's taught you that your thinking, acting, and feeling is creating your personality, and your personality is creating your personal reality, and it's not anybody else's fault. There is no God's plan in a way that you think you're being punished. It's you creating all that strive, all the punishment, all the self-talk. It's all you. It's all you. And so you have to dive deep into the space. And the only way you can, and this is the first learnings that I, that I had, and I made a video about it. It's you are your problem. You are the one who's in the way of you creating what you want to create. So the best thing to do is not be you for as long as possible. And he has the saying, he says, you're somebody somewhere in some time. This is you and your personality state right now, creating a current reality. This is all quantum science, not some airy fairy, lentil eating, sandal wearing, Jesus looking work. This is serious science work. So you are currently somebody somewhere in some time. And this somebody somewhere in some time keeps recreating the same reality, keeps becoming addicted to the life they don't even like and then doesn't know how to get out of it. What we have to do is become nobody, nowhere, in no time. And in that space of becoming nobody, nowhere, in no time, your subconscious starts to take over. And your subconscious, and he jokes about it on stage, he says, your subconscious going, okay, guys, okay, okay, I think he's gone. Okay, I think he's gone. Okay, everybody jump in, let's stop cleaning. Let's stop cleaning. Let's go, let's go. He's going to wake up soon. He's going to wake <laughs> up soon. And so it's almost like you want that, 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 it's almost like your soul, if you want to think about it like that, or your overarching energy source starts to come in and starts to actually create the true you. And if you think about the word meditation, it means to become familiar with. And so actually what you're meditating is you're becoming familiar with your oversoul, your, your purpose, your divinity, or however you want to call it. And so the biggest thing I've taken away from this event is that the more you become nobody, nowhere, no time, the quicker you create the world that you want away from your personality construct that you think is on your side but many times your personality construct's not on your side. Like I said, for 48 years, I've been looking for reasons why the world doesn't like me. And this is such a deeply entrenched conversation I'm having with myself. And Eric, you know how hyper aware I am. I'm like, I'm, I'm always about that awareness of self-awareness, the world awareness. Humans are my, I love thinking about humans and seeing humans and understanding what the motivating factors are. This has been sitting in my shadow self 
for 48 years and only this week did it start to become obvious to me. So the construct is very simple. Your personality creates your personal reality. Your personality is made up of how you think, act, and feel. Your brain has 90% of the same thoughts as yesterday. How do you go about unwiring, unthinking, and rewiring and rethinking so that your personality changes, your personal reality changes, and you take full responsibility for how you show up? This is a job. It is a constant job of reiterating and recalibrating, catching yourself, stopping yourself, and rethinking things. And some people might think it's exhausting. And guess what? It is. But you know what's even more exhausting? It's being addicted to a life you don't even like. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, it, it strikes me that how our personalities end up maybe largely being created over time is that we are responding to the world around us. And every time we respond, that creates an aspect of your reality. So you get hurt, you, your personality goes, okay, how do I protect from this in the future? And, and something happens. Um, you go broke, you go, okay, well, what did I do to get here? I need to be different in this X, Y, and Z kind of way. That personality change happens. And so because it's this, um, it's kind of like scar tissue that forms over time, that is your personality. It's, it's almost that you are so rigid that you can't see it when you are in, yeah. your, in your cognitive state, when you are just trying to analyze it. And there's something, I don't know if you've ever heard about the introspection fallacy, but it's just this idea that we think we can sit and, and do introspection to like the core level, but we can't. Can't. Because you, you'll get to a certain depth, but you're always going to get stuck there because you don't know what you don't know. And so that's why it's useful to have people around you to give you that input. But that's why it's also useful to have additional tools like psychedelics, like meditation, that'll help you go deeper and uncover and see that scar tissue in a way that you couldn't see it before. Can I just jump in there? Because I love what you've said with scar tissue. And well, as something I didn't mention is that is when you imprint your personal reality constantly, your personality starts taking a backseat and your personal reality starts telling you how to behave. So you're actually not even in control of your life anymore. Your personal reality is telling you that when every time you get into traffic, this is how you think and feel. Every time you see that coworker, this is how you react. Every time your husband does something, this is how. You, so you go into a habitual reactive mode without even thinking about it. And now your personal reality is dictating to you what moods you should be in. You are now no more in control of your moods. Now what you are is totally a slave to the outer world telling you how to feel and when to feel. And let me tell you, I mean, that is just the maddest idea because you'll look for reasons to continuously give your body and your brain the addiction to whatever it is that you become addicted to. Lack of self-worth, uh, insecurity, anxiousness, anger. I mean, how many people do you know that are, that say, I suffer from anxiousness. No, you're addicted to your body, feeling stress and fear. So now you say, I'm, a, I'm I, no, you don't. You've, I, you've wired yourself badly. That's all you've done. You've programmed yourself bad. So, oh, I mean, it's mm. just deep. And, and maybe, and you've programmed yourself badly and to a certain extent, it's not your fault. Like, of course it's your fault because you have to take responsibility for everything that happens in your life. But it's also not your fault in that things happen to you and you didn't know better. Like at, at that time in your life, you didn't know better. You didn't maybe have the tools for how to respond. And so what's the thing they always say is that um, you don't have to, like you have to take responsibility for fixing it, right? Like it's not your fault. It's not your fault, but you have to take responsibility for fixing it. And so there's, there's the ownership that wherever you are today, 
irrespective of what happened in your past, it's up to you. You're the only one that's going to be able to rewire that personality to create a new personal reality. So obviously we know where this leads. How, how do people do this? So I think before I start telling you how to do this, because I, I'll get there, but I just want to give you a couple of my learnings because- Yeah, go for it. I've, I've just heard things and I've just like realized I've been doing it in reverse. And one of them is the law of attraction. We've got the law of attraction wrong. And the law of attraction in Newtonian science and in the linear world we come from is about striving towards something, is setting a goal and moving towards that goal with action, okay? The actual way law of attraction needs to work in the quantum world where everything is already available to you because in the quantum world, there's no time. Only in Newtonian science, there's time. And so quantum science is proving Newtonian science totally wrong. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But what you realize is that everything is already yours. You just have to get out of your own way. So it's, an, it's, it's a negative of the law of attraction. It's not chasing towards, it's allowing in. And how do you allow in is to become less of yourself more often. It's yourself, your construct of the fact that you don't think you deserve, the fact that you've got this addiction to uh, anxiousness or frustration that is stopping what it is that you want from coming to you. And so the whole idea of law of attraction is allowance, not striving. Striving says you don't have it already, means that I need to do something to get it. Whereas with quantum sciences, get out of the way and it'll arrive. It's a totally different way of thinking about life. It's a totally different reconstruct mm. of, of, of it all, you know? And, and you know, one of the words that came to me, and in fact, my new book downloaded into my head while I was at the event. I haven't even told you this actually off air, but a new book landed. And I've already, I'm speaking to two New York Times bestsellers this week and one next week and a publisher I've now got in America, which is, I thought I'd tell you, I've got a publisher in America. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Tell so me that one, yeah. The book is called Liberated Futures. And the word liberated was my theme of the event. And I felt so liberated of this conversation I've been having in my head for punishing myself, for not celebrating myself, not respecting myself deeply enough, you know. And Liberated Futures, the payoff line is a manual for human beings to thrive in the age of AI. And the scientist was there from a science lab and he was showing the latest research that they've brought. They have the largest selection and research on microbiome. So what they've been doing for the last few, few events is they've been taking hundreds and hundreds of people's microbiome and blood and DNA from events before they start the event and then they measure them after the event. And cancer cells are reducing microbiomes are creating new, new uh, probiotics in their stomachs without taking any probiotics. Just by sitting still for seven days, your whole body starts to re-engage itself and move back into homeostasis rather than you stressing. And one of the days, Eric, we started meditating at four o'clock. We did a four and a half hour meditation. We finished at 830 we did another hour meditation. We broke for lunch. We broke and did another meditation for two hours. We meditated 10 hours on one day. 10. Jeez. It was, it was my, I've never meditated that much in my life. And just think about the health benefits of you not being you and how your body is starting to cre recreate itself, you know? So, you know, my word for the year is elevated, but now I'm halfway through the year and I feel liberated. It, so in order to elevate, you need to liberate because 
in order for you to frequency to change and move upwards, you need to liberate yourself of anchors and old ways of thinking in order to elevate. Sure. You love know? that. So, love that. Love that. Yeah. So the book being called Liberated Futures is very much is about how do we liberate ourselves from old programming. And the scientists call these program, <clears throat> sorry, his research, the evolution of the species. And he says, what we're seeing is a process of evolving us as human beings like we've never seen before. Sure. Um, congrats on the new book. I love the title. Thank you. And I love the um, idea of being liberated before we can elevate. I have a, like a, just a, a technical question, right? Like if, you, if you're meditating for four hours, that's not you sitting in one position for four hours, right? Like does that, what does that look like from a like, so, because yeah. when people think of meditation, if you ask most people to go and sit down and meditate for 10 minutes, they're going to go, that's a long time. And, you know, they're going to get antsy and start moving around. What does four hours of meditation look like physically? Yeah. Uh, firstly, um, <laughs> Dr. Joe jokes. He's like, you're going to go back home and your friends are going to tell you that on that app, you know, like the 10 minute app. <laughs> and you're like, guy, 10 minutes, please. You don't even, you don't even training start wheels. to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like not even training wheels. Like, who are you kidding? That's not meditation. Anyway, so he was just joking about that. So look, I, I think let's firstly understand something is that you as a human being have different experiences of time depending on the brainwave that you're accessing. If you're highly stressed, 20 minutes feels like two hours. If you're super chilled, 20 minutes feels like three minutes. When you move into the quantum space of becoming nobody, nowhere, no time, think about that term, nobody, nowhere, no time. There's no time. So when you go into that state of theta, you're not there for four hours. What you are doing is you are telling, asking me a question from your current state of awareness in a low beta brain. If you're in a low beta brainwave right now, you're excited, you're analytical, you're thinking, but you're not stressed. But time is still quite a, a clear construct in this brainwave. So from this brainwave, you're going, dude, how do you sit there for four hours? But if you change your awareness and move into theta, that question will become null and void because you'll realize that in theta, there is no time. So the, the construct of the meditation is also what he has is he has sitting, standing, lying down, and walking meditations. And the reason he has all four is because he wants your body to feel what you're doing. He wants your body to experience that emotion while you're standing, experience it while you're lying down, experiencing while you're sitting. So the four-hour meditation is almost the, it's the pinnacle. It's on the Friday morning, um, which is what you've been working all week towards. And I remember people initially when I started in 2018, my first event in Toronto, and he would say, you have to wake up at 3.30 and be in the ballroom by four because your melatonin is high. People are like, oh, no way. We can't. That's too much. Today, now, people are like, bring it. People are there at three. <laughs> like, I mean, it's totally changed. People are so excited about it. So what he does in the pineal, it's called the pineal gland meditation. And let's just remember that the pineal gland is really your antenna to reality. And so your pineal gland in it has these crystals that they've seen. And these crystals, when they are woken up, they start to change the antenna of which radio station you click into. Now, let's just, let me just try and land this because it's a bit weird. We have a radio station right now that's connected into our five senses. And our version of reality is a minuscule, minuscule a, a, a viewpoint of reality. Science has proven that our eyes can only see 0.003% of reality and the potential light that's out there. So let's understand that in our current form of software human, our access to a version of reality is so small and minuscule, and we are arrogant about anything that doesn't fit into our five senses and go, oh, that's rubbish, or that's airy-fairy. 
No, you are just very constricted into your five senses and your version of reality. And what creates that version of reality are these crystals that sit in your pineal gland. And if you don't change or shift or maneuver or, or like whatever do with these pineal gland crystals, you'll never change radio stations. Now, the way you do this is through a breath. And you, 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 it's a breath where you take it from your base chakra and you move it all the way up to your pineal gland. And what you're actually doing in this breath is you're shifting these crystals so that you can start to change your radio station and what you start to access and the type of information you start to access start to shift. And so the pineal gland meditation is the, is the sort of peak of the retreat. And it's it's sitting down, lying down um, continuously. So he lets you drift away and then he gets you back in through a breath and he has a couple different breaths that he brings you back in. Then you sit back up. Then he asks you to engage with your pineal gland, engage with the way it operates, engage with what it does for you and give it attention because where attention goes, energy flows. And so if you're giving this thing attention, it starts to wake up like anything, anything you have attention to starts waking up. And so it's a four hour, four and a half hour meditation, but you are sitting, standing and breathing. But it feels like, honestly, it feels like 25 minutes, Eric doesn't actually feel like four and a half hours. Tell me what other things stood out for you during the, the retreat. This sounds weird. And he actually said it on stage. He says, when I go on shows and I go on radio podcasts, I forget that the rest of the world thinks this is so weird. But we have people in the community that were blind who can see, who are in a wheelchairs who can walk. I have met personally, personally I've met a lady in Costa Rica in her 50s, Christine, Chris, Christine, yeah, in her fifties, I was swimming with her in Costa Rica. We just, she was just in the water with me. So we're swimming and we're having a great time and we're just having a great time laughing. And when we start walking back to the hotel, I said, tell me about, when did you meet Dr. Joe? Like what, like, how is this working out for you? And she says, John, you won't believe it. I was in a wheelchair for eight years and six months ago, I started walking and now I'm walking and I started Dr. Joe's work a year and a half ago. I'm like, what? She started showing me pictures of herself. She was in a wheelchair. She was bedridden for eight years. What? She couldn't move. Just... So we must realize is that this is not some airy fairy, you know, it's not that, it's science. And Einstein said it best. He said, the, men, the, the medicine of the future is the medicine of frequency. And what he was talking about was the fact that your disease and your issues based on your frequency, just based on your personality, you change your frequency and your disease falls off you, relationship issues fall off you. And my my sort of, thing yeah is I became friends with my dad and for 20 years I didn't speak to my dad and after now now I'm not good friends with my dad like I chat to him and we just everything's cool why because my frequency changed and so the thing that stood out for me the most is that two people that hadn't walked one for 20 years and one for 30 years two men older men in their 50s started walking and people were crying and emotional about these guys getting their lives back their families were there with them these guys have not gotten out of a wheelchair for so long. And here they are walking and running. Some of them were running. And I know this sounds weird. And I think it's got a bad rep because of all those charismatic Christian churches where you hit somebody over their head and it's all fake. Yes. But here you're just meditating. That's all you're doing. It's not, there's no some, it's not a, it's not a cult that you have to pray to Dr. Joe. And he constantly says, he says, this work is not about me. Don't tell people that you came to do it with Dr. Joe. Come tell people what happened to you and let them know they can do it to themselves. And so he's got this very clear message and he always says it. He says, it's not about me. Don't make it about me. Don't go out there and tell people about me. Go out there and tell them what tools I've taught you that you can start practicing them so everybody else can as well. And so it's, it's really revolutionizing the way we think about medicine. We think about the pharmaceutical industry on the whole. 
and also to realize that we have one of the most advanced pharmacies inside ourselves that we can access through accessing different versions of ourselves. Sure. It's all so powerful. And, you know, I think usually uh, or mostly we are very unfamiliar with the power of the mind because we're just so distracted most of the time and we're just dealing with what's in front of us and we never really take the time to explore what it could do. And, and what's also strange to me actually is when I listen to Dr. Joe Dispenza stuff, there's the, the metaphysical, there's or the meditation side of it, which is the, the rewiring, everything you've spoken about. And then there's the, okay, now that you've done that, you have to come into your day and you have to look for where you are going to default back to the old self. So that's more cognitive, right? Like that's more like psychology would be. It's like, okay, you have to notice that usually here you go left and like notice that moment so that you can go right. So I know that big part of that is like, what are the old behaviors that you want to notice so you can change them? But that I think is the easier part. The harder part is to sit down and do the meditation work. And it's always strange to me that people are so unwilling to do it. If you say to them, listen, if you do this for a year, your life could fundamentally change, be so much better. We all want that, but are you willing to do the work for it? Look, I think the problem is, is that you're addicted to familiarity. That's what the problem is. Your brain and your body are saying, you don't need that. You can't sit here. You've got thing, 10 things to do. Don't forget those emails you have to get to get to. Why is Dr. Joe screaming at me? Shit, I don't like that music. Oh, this guy's an idiot. He's just trying to make, you'll find every reason. Your body will be giving you a million reasons why this is not the right place for you. They're not the right time for you, you know? But, you know, I, I think the thing, the thing is, is that I don't think anybody's ever explained it to us in such simple terms like he has. You know, the way he breaks it down is you don't have to have any faith. You don't have to believe in any invisible thing. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do any of those things. It's, here's the science. Stop being you. And here's what science is proving. Here's the microbiome. Here's the DNA. Here's the blood samples. Here are the people that used to be in wheelchairs that are not. Here are the people that are blind that are not blind anymore. Like, this is the real people that are affecting really based on the science of not being you. I mean, think about like, that is such a simple but profound understanding. The longer you can spend not being you, the better things will become because it's you that's in the way. How bad <laughs> is that? What? But, and and oh yet it makes 100% sense. And I think that's why I've, I've always gravitated to his stuff because of that. Is that it's like it just when you go through the process of your personal reality is your personality. It's made up of these things. There's no arguing or that. There's no debating that. It's just that is the way it is. The way that you show up in the world creates the world around you. And to a large extent, you've been created by the world. And so if you want to change that, which way would you prefer it happen? Would you prefer you showing up in a way that you want to show up? Or are you just going to constantly react to everything that's put in front of you? Look, I, th I think most people want that. They just don't know how. They just don't know how. They thought that if they'd read Atomic Habits, it would change. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Like putting your trainers out in the night before, before you go running, it doesn't help you have a different mindset and a different relationship with yourself. You have to, you have to do the cognitive work and you have to have awareness of your old personality traits. It's called crossing the river of change. He says, when you decide you want to become somebody else, you begin crossing the river of change. And you've now got a North Star because the minute you become aware of the old patterning, you've broken out the matrix. You've broken out the patterning. Awareness is the first step. Now, as you cross the river, what happens when you cross a river? There's torrents. There's, 
There's a log coming. There's, it's, it's constantly trying to take you off your feet. So you've got to constantly remind yourself in the cognitive until you get to the other side of the river. Now what you've done is you've rewired and refired. Now you've developed a new personality. And boy, 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 is it so hard. It is viciously hard, viciously hard. It's not an easy process. But if you don't start, you're addicted to a life you don't even like. You've embellished your past to give you more kudos, to feel more depressed. It's like you don't even know you're doing it. It's like a, it's a travesty what the humankind and human brains done to itself without even realizing it. How many wars have started? How many divorces have happened? How many diseases have been created because of a bad brain picking up on old pains? I mean, it's just, we have to do the work, you know? We have to do the work. So for people who want to do the work, where do they start? Go to YouTube, find Dr. Joe, listen to a, a interview 87,000 times. Not once, 83 gazillion times. You can't listen to that stuff enough. I'm still listening to it. Like I just told you, I just spent a 10, I mean, I'm at my 10th event. I mean, I can't like, listen to it. and then, and then spend 10 minutes and 20 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes and 20 minutes in the evenings, meditating with these meditations, buy some off the website. They're not expensive. It's like, it's an investment yeah, it's in yourself. Cheap. And don't kid yourself. Just by watching the video, you're not going to change. Just by reading the book, you're not going to change. Don't kid yourself. It's a fallacy that you're going to change. You have to do the work. You have to do the meditations. There is no other way. I don't, look, psilocybin does the same thing to your brain, right? It helps you unwire. And that's what you have to be doing. That's your only focus. How do I change frequency? How do I elevate my awareness so that I can see a new version of myself that will create a version that is un totally unfamiliar to me from this current state? If you don't change your state, nothing changes. Uh, you know, what you'll find when you go and listen to Joe Dispenza on YouTube is that even if you go find 87,000 different interviews that he's done, they'll all sound exactly the same to you. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. We've chatted about this actually off air. It's like we're constantly trying to recreate our talks and he's just been doing the same thing for 40 years. Same talk over and over. Yeah. And every interview, same talk. And then you start listening to his meditations same yeah. same language same same, yeah. and, and then at some point like i thought maybe at some point that might actually become distracting the fact that i almost verbatim know the the morning meditation yeah by now but it doesn't get in the way in fact i feel like you just get deeper and deeper and deeper and yeah. you know, initially the first time you listen to his meditations he does these weird things with these inflections and tone yeah, voice yeah and you're like what yeah. the hell is this and but you push through it and it's incredible. And I want to like, for those who are listening to this, I mean, I don't know, you know, when you started meditating, but for me, it was at 2012 was the first time I meditated. And I remember that because Marinus and I went on this huge self-development, like mission sprint. Yeah. Mission. Like we, we wanted to do everything. So we wanted to do the 5am wake up with Robin Sharma, then train, then meditate, then journal. We wanted to make sure we do we cover all the bases. And meditation never hit home for me. Never. I, I always struggled with it because initially you were always taught that meditation is about emptying your mind. And then you struggle with that because you have all these intrusive thoughts all the time. Then you start thinking, well, maybe I'm just one of those people that have a very active mind. I can't, I can't meditate. I can't yes, meditate. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then through the process Somehow Joe Dispenza in, entered my, my, my world. I started doing that meditation, the AM meditation. And initially it was weird, but that was the gateway for me to start doing longer meditations. And 
I haven't done a four hour meditation. The most I've done has been a 45 minute meditation. But even then, I totally, I, I get what you mean when you say that time feels different because it didn't feel like 45 minutes to me. And today, if I sit down and I do a shorter meditation, so I have a few, obviously, like we share these meditations as well. But when I do the flow meditation, which is like a 17 minute long meditation, it feels to me like I'm barely getting into it and then I'm like out of it. But what I get from that is different than the 45 minute, like new potentials one where you sit down, you think about your vision for the future and you really immerse yourself in that. And so meditation becomes a tool and you have to like with most tools, you have to go and try them out and see kind of what works for you and realize that before you're going to use a freaking like 10 pound hammer, you have to just take a lighter hammer and just like get used to the feeling of it. So to say that I'm not the kind of person that meditates is a really, really bad excuse because all of us have busy brains. All of us are, are thinking about a thousand things at one, at one time. Just get the right kind of teacher and instruction for how to meditate and don't let bad teaching and instructions that you've had before influence your perception of a tool that can be incredibly powerful in rewiring how you, who you are and how you show up in this world. Well said. Really, really well said, Eric. Um, and I've also watched you, you know, you're very fastidious with your meditation and I know how strict you are with yourself, you know, and well done because I've seen a big change in you as well. So, uh, I've seen you start to practice it and increase it. And so it's a big thing, you know, you haven't been to a Joe Dispenza retreat and for you to be doing 45 minutes is really just very, very, very good. Very impressive. So well done. Well done. Brother, thank you so much as always. Is there any sort of parting words that you have uh, from your experience or just wisdom from being 48 years old? Yeah. <laughs> well, as an old man at 48, um, uh, my head is still full of hair. Um, very my impressed. Mouth is full very, of very tea. impressed. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling more open hearted and clear in my mind than ever before in my life. I've understood the mechanics of my psyche more than ever. Um, I'm really just incredibly grateful for my parents, uh, my health, uh, Wendy, you, my friends, and just, just really deeply grateful. And um, looking forward to next week's pod Best already. Place to be. And Best place uh, to yeah, be. it really mm. is. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us. Thank you for all the messages on social media, sending you all lots of love and lots of gratitude for joining us on this journey. I had a, I had a friend from Sweden uh, message me. He's listening to the pod. I had a Noor from Kuwait messaging me. Love it. Hello, Noor, Gwarab's uh, wife. Um, just so many amazing people around the world messaging and thanking us for the pod. So big up to all of our friends around the world. Uh, we look forward to connecting with you in real life real soon. And that's the pod. As always, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Uh, John, enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your birthday. May it be incredible and uh, expansive. And to all our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Ciao. You can secure Eric Kruger and John Sonnet as speakers for your next event. Email sean at theexpansive.com. That's S-E-A-N at theexpansive.com. And be sure to use the word learn in the subject line for an expansive deal on keynotes, workshops, and comprehensive webinars. Sean at theexpansive.com.